Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along, and it does look like we're going to get another lovely day uh, today. And yesterday was another one of those gorgeous days. And it's lovely to see in the papers today, particularly the photographs from Dennis Minahan, who seemed to be out and about in West Cork. And on days like yesterday, wouldn't you love to be a photographer just going out photographing people? Everybody looked in good form. Lovely photographs in the papers today of people having picnics uh, by the beach, people walking their dogs, people bringing their children out and about and sandcastles being made and, and it really is fantastic and people really seem to be making hay while the sun shines and those that are able to do it are getting into cars and they're heading off to gorgeous scenic areas that we have in this beautiful county in which we live and we're so blessed to have so so much coastline and so many beautiful coasts and beaches to walk on so if you're lucky enough to get out and about today enjoy it as I say papers today have some really really gorgeous gorgeous photographs and there's a kind of a sense and a feeling of summer and let's try and lift everybody's spirits and hope that we'll have a bright and a good summer this year because along with those lovely photographs that I was looking at this morning that you can't help but smile at there's just a couple of stories that would fill you with such great sadness this morning can I extend my deepest deepest sympathies to the family of the gentleman in his 70s who passed away in what appears to have been a really tragic accident yesterday this is the elderly man in West Cork who fell from the roof of a two-storey house while power washing it's in the Balanine uh, area such a sad, sad uh, story and you know reading in the papers today that the likes of the wonderful Dr Jason Vandervelt he was on the scene uh, along with the Irish Community Rapid Response Air Ambulance, a wonderful air ambulance but unfortunately the man was pronounced dead at the scene but everybody who could do anything to help was there in and in very very quick time. I think the air ambulance arrived on the scene within six minutes of the alarm being uh, raised and then you had uh, Dr. Jason and there was advanced paramedics and there was two off-duty first responders so everything that could have been done was done. It's it's just so sad. So my deepest the gentleman hasn't been named and, and, and I know locally people will know who it was. So I just want to extend our deepest, deepest sympathies to the family and to the community because I think 
when you have a tragedy like that, obviously the deepest pain is with the bereaved family, but it ripples out and it just affects everyone. And there's another community that have been very much on my mind for the last few days, and that's the community of Carrick and Shore in just at very close to Clanmel, where I would have grown up in South Tipperary. The case of that little girl who was tragically killed in an accident right beside her house involving the school bus. It was at half four on Tuesday and there's pictures of the little girl, Sophie Melanchuk. Uh, the family are originally from the Ukraine, but there's just gorgeous pictures of little Sophia in all of the papers today. So full of life and typical little girly girly dressed up in a beautiful dress and the big beaming uh, smile. And the, just an awful tragedy to have happened. Uh, and then further news coming out about this story. I mean, it, it was a little, it was a school bus that was going into the estate. I think it was reversing around the corner because it was a, it was a cul-de-sac dropping off pupils who lived in the area and little Sophie's brother was actually on the bus when this awful, awful tragedy uh, happened and the male bus driver, although not physically injured, is believed to be very, very distressed and you would have to think of that man and think, how would you ever get over it? And it seems like it was a really, really unfortunate accident but they were a family originally from the Ukraine and of course they haven't been able to see their family, I think, since 2009, 2019 and family members haven't been able to travel and the family now won't be able to travel either uh, to support them during this uh, tragedy. An OGO GoFundMe page has been uh, set up locally and something like €20,000 had been raised by uh, yesterday afternoon. So just families in great, great distress at the moment. So uh, we very much are uh, thinking of them. 1850 Jane has been on from Ballylicky to say what it's a beautiful morning in Ballylicky. I'm looking out at clouds at the moment, but I'm hoping that when the clouds disappear, we might have uh, some sunshine later on. Enjoy that in uh, Ballylicky. And then thank you to somebody who sent this a really nice little piece in just to lift all of our moods uh, a little bit. It was sent in by WhatsApp yesterday and I just didn't get a chance at the close of the programme because we had so many questions coming in for Peter on our gardening slot and this is to do with a a made up conversation that might happen in the future and it is said to be a conversation that could possibly happen between a child and their granddad and the year is 2095 so we're talking in 70 odd years time so and it reads as follows the child goes how old are you granddad and the granddad says I'm 81 kid the child says so does that mean you were alive during the coronavirus and the granddad said yes kid I was wow says the child that must have been horrible granddad said we were learning um, uh, were you learning about that in school this week and the little lad said yes we were they told us about how all the schools had to close and mums and dads couldn't go to work so they didn't have as much money to do nice things they said you weren't allowed to go and visit your friends and your family and you couldn't go out anywhere they told us that the shops ran out of lots of things so you didn't have much bread and flour and toilet roll as the child starts to giggle they said that summer holidays all had to be cancelled and they told us about all those thousands of people that got very poorly and some sadly died they explained about the HSC and the hard work that all the doctors and nurses and all the HSC workers uh, did and lots of them died too. They said that must have been so horrible, Grandad. Grandad replies, well, kid, that is all correct. 
And I know that because I read about it too when I was older. But to tell you the truth, I remember it very differently. I remember playing in the garden for hours and mum and dad and having picnics outside and lots of barbecues. I remember making things with my dad and baking with my mum. I remember making dens with my little brother and teaching him how to do handstands and backflips. I remember having quality time with my family. I remember mum's favourite words being, hey, I've got an idea rather than maybe later or maybe tomorrow. I'm a bit busy. I remember making our own bread and pastry. I remember having film night three and four nights a week instead of just once. It was a horrible time for lots of people. You are right, but I do remember it differently. So the the message, the key to take away from that conversation that might happen in 2095 between a child and a grandfather is to remember how our children will remember these times being control of the memories that they're creating right now. So that though all of the terrible headlines and all of the emotional stories that are there for many, that they will come and they'll come to read about it all in the future. But for the children of today, when they grow up as, as adults, let them be able to look back on this time and remember the happier times rather than all the sadness and the stress. As I say, I don't have the name on the person who sent that in but uh, thank you. It came in yesterday by uh, WhatsApp. Appreciate when people send on uh, things like that. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. We've had a call in to say that there was helicopters flying overhead. It was Lucy to our Twitter feed at C103 Cork uh, said, is there any reason for these two nights in a row? She said she's seen at least three helicopters flying over. Should they look like rescue helicopters and they're flying over the Fomoy area. Could she find out what was going on and why was this happening, particularly two nights in a row? Well, we got onto the Defence Forces and they explain that it is routine military exercise and training exercises that have been going on and they've been doing it at night time. So that explains to people in the Fomoy area noticing helicopters in the sky over the last couple of nights. And Canturk Town Park. We've been asked to mention they will be closing from midnight tonight and they'll be closed until Saturday morning. So all day tomorrow uh, Friday they'll reopen again on Saturday and that's to due, to, due to maintenance. That's Canturk Town Park. D in Goleen says, Hi Patricia, I heard you saying earlier about not passing a loo. We will be talking about public loos in Cork City later on on the programme uh, today. Well D says, My late grandmother always told me there were three things you should never do. One, never refuse a free meal. Two, never pass a loo without thinking, do I need to use it? And three, never pass an opportunity. Enjoying the show uh, as always. I'm bed bound with a trapped nerve. Oh, pain of that. So it's great to have C103. Thank you for that, uh, Dee. Hope you get better soon. And somebody else sent me in a piece um, from the state of the 15th of April. It's one of these Joe inspirational quotes some of the calendars have, like sort of a different inspirational quote for each day. And the one that's popped up today for the 15th of April is I don't know what is worse, being too selfish or being too selfless. It's all about balance. Be good to yourself in order to be good to others. Isn't that good? I don't know which is worse, being too selfish or being too selfless. All about balance. Be good to yourself in order to be good to others. Thank you for whoever WhatsApped that on to us to 0862 103 103. Today, by the way, and it's now because it's at 10 o'clock, where are we at? 20 past 10, so 20 minutes ago, the HSE portal allowing people aged between 65 and 69 to register for a vaccine has opened this morning for appointments. The appointments will begin during this week and into May. I'm told some people may get appointments as early as next uh, week. 
to this morning's, today's, is open for people aged 69. Tomorrow, Friday the 16th, you register if you're aged 68. Saturday the 17th, if you're 67. Sunday, you register if you're 66. And then on Monday, you're, you can start registering if you are at 65. We're told the quickest and easiest way to register is online. To register online, you go to hse.ie. You will need to have your PPS number. You need to have your air code. You need to have a mobile phone number and you also need to have an email address. Now, if you don't have any of those, you don't have an email um, and you don't have uh, a mobile number uh, or you just don't like registering online or you just don't like dealing with online, then you can ring the HSE Live on 1850 24 18 50 to register over the phone. And once you are registered, you will be sent out an appointment and your, va- your vaccine will be ready for you then. And they'll tell you the day and the time that your vaccine will be ready for you at the vaccination centre. Now, you won't be going to your GP for the vaccine all of the vaccines and it is the AstraZeneca vaccine that has been given to the uh, over over 60s. Uh, You will go to a HSE vaccination centre which are dotted all over the county and they'll tell you which is your, that's why obviously they're asking for your air code. I'm assuming they will give you your nearest vaccination centre and they will give you the day and the time. And if you're in the younger age group, say under 65, you'll be invited to register for your vaccine when it's your turn. At the moment, today they're looking at the people aged 69, tomorrow is 68 and down along 67 on Saturday, 66 on Sunday and 65 on Monday and as I say that portal has gone live I I don't know how busy they've been in the last 23 minutes but you can now register or call them at 1850 24 1850 and I know because we had so many calls yesterday and I was listening to podcasts from other radio stations yesterday afternoon and there wasn't a radio station in the country yesterday who didn't continue to get calls from people over the age of 60 who are worried about getting the Astra Zeneca jab. Well, I'm reading in the papers today from the Irish Heart Foundation that the risk from any COVID-19 vaccine should be compared to the serious risks from the virus itself. And that's coming, as I say, directly from the Irish Heart Foundation. Dr Angie Brown said that despite 190 million people receiving the AstraZeneca vaccine, the risk of low platelets and blood clots possibly associated with the vaccine is very, very low. And she's again quoting that figure as low as 4 to 10 in one million people. She also makes the point that all medications carry a very small risk of side effects but the benefit of vaccination far outweighs the risk as COVID infection has a significant risk of hospitalisation significant risk of mortality and morbidity and the and Dr Angie Brown is a consultant cardiologist. She said COVID infection itself can be associated with clotting issues. It's therefore important that everyone who is eligible should get vaccinated and referring to the advice to limit the vaccine just to the over 60s she said based on the currently available evidence specific risk factors have not been confirmed but given the limited data it would appear younger women are more at risk of these very very rare effects and the World Health Organization has also come out and said that almost 200 million doses have been given up to early April and they say rare Adverse events following immunisation should be assessed against the risk of death from COVID-19. So it's to try and get the balance done. And somebody yesterday, I 
thought sent in a really good comment that we, we didn't get to was making the point that when you go for an operation you know to the, sort of the night before an operation you'll have a consultant or an anaesthetist coming in and they'll go through all the very rare things that could happen and that doesn't put people off having an operation and it's the same if you're taking any kind of medication if you look at you know that leaflet that comes with very small writing on it that comes with any box of medication if you were to read through that and read down to the possible side effects, the rare side effects and the very rare side effects. If you look at the very rare side effects in a lot of medication that we take, the very rare side effects can be uh, blood clots and that doesn't stop people taking the medication. So please try to balance it all up and just you're protecting yourself against COVID-19 and you're protecting yourself against getting very, very unwell or if you're in an age group or you're suffering from from a particular type of illness, it could even lead to uh, death. But anyway, the hse.ie if you're 69 and you want to register for your vaccine, as I say, it will be AstraZeneca. You won't be getting it at your GP practice. You will be sent to a vaccination centre. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Justice Minister Helen McEntee has called on the insurance industry to bring down the cost of insurance as new guidelines come into force on Saturday week to discuss the new personal injuries guidelines. I'm joined by Deputy Michael Moynihan. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. And and you're welcome. I suppose just remind listeners what these new guidelines set out to do. Well, what they're setting, I suppose insurance has been a major issue and continues to be a major issue for both uh, car owners, homeowners and businesses right throughout the state. And over the last two or three years, we have been advocating very strongly on that change needs to take place on insurance claims on insurance premiums and I worked with uh, Business Insurance Reform Group and others and it's three years ago since we brought a motion before the Dáil to uh, affect the change of the Book of Quantums and to have new guidelines in place. Now the Judicial uh, Council uh, came with changes to the, um, I suppose, the guidelines and the parameters that were to if oh, to, uh, to form the basis of how claims are settled or how awards are made. And these guidelines uh, have been announced and will come into effect on Saturday week, the 24th of April. And these are to ensure that the adoption of the new personal injury guidelines and material reduces the awards. Like we, we, we want to reduce the awards, and they particularly have looked at e- issues in terms of uh, soft tissue injuries and other issues and how they should be assessed. And not alone are they how they're to be assessed by the courts, but also by PIAB. Now, there is new legislation that will be brought before the government and the Dáil uh, in this term in terms of PIAB and strengthening PIAB because all across the country, and I, I continue to be engaging with businesses and homeowners and motor owners in terms of the cost of insurance, you know, young drivers, you have people that are coming back from uh, foreign countries that had been away for two or three or four years and the cost of insurance. And also, you know, the um, the slip and trip, the, the amount of awards that were being made for what seemed on the face of it minor injuries. And these awards were being uh, processed, 
there was a huge legal cost in relation to it, and obviously it was the public that were paying the cost of this. And those charges or those costs were being passed on by the higher claims. There has been a sense over the last number of, of months to try and tackle this once and for all. And I think this is the first step, right? There's an awful lot more that needs to be done in terms of reforming the uh, insurance industry. But I think this is the first step. You know, it, the Judicial Council came back with uh, w- with guidelines. You know, I, for one, was probably sceptical that they wouldn't come, but they did come back with guidelines. And if these guidelines are implemented and taken on board fully by the insurance companies. And I understand that the minister directly responsible for insurance, uh, Sean Fleming, and the government will be meeting with insurance uh, companies again over the next couple of weeks to press upon them. But the indications from the insurance companies right now are that this will uh, see a reduction in rewards in the, you know, over the next number of months. It was looked at that these these new guidelines wouldn't be implemented until the 1st of July, but it has been brought forward to the 24th of April. Which is is Saturday week. And the guidelines will be used by both PIAB, the Personal Injuries Assessment Board, and the courts. And the courts. It it is fierce important that both are used. PIAB was set up, you know, almost a generation ago to tackle in the insurance industry. It was very effective at the very start, but has been uh, bypassed, to, uh, uh, not to put too fine a point on it, has been bypassed over the last while. And I think that... And it's PIAB been, sorry, it's been bypassed because people think if I go to court, I'll make more money. 100%. Yeah. That is exactly the reason why it has been bypassed. It, it was effective at the very start of it, but it needs to be strengthened now. And I think that, you know, the, the advice for people is that there is more money to be made if you go to court or at least take it to the steps of the court. But unfortunately, with all the claims that are there, and, you know, we have seen very serious accidents and life-changing accidents, they are not going to be affected. It is the smaller claims because, you know, people that have life-changing accidents, you know, they need compensation. But the compensation that's been given out, you know, day after day, we look at compensations that are being passed by the court for 30, 40, 50, and maybe more thousand, and just scratching our head, now where is that claim coming from? Or where is that decision coming from? But unfortunately, it comes back to the people that are paying insurance, whether it is the car, the homeowner, or indeed the businesses. And some businesses, you know, for the public liability insurance, and then everybody coming into their businesses, particularly the, on, the, on the catering businesses, they have had a horrendous time in terms of the cost of insurance and how, you know, they have to front load certain claims. But this is the first step in a serious attempt to try and reform the insurance industry and make it more affordable for people to have decent premiums or premiums that they can afford. Okay, and of course the question that everybody's asking, Michael, is how soon can we expect the insurance industry to pass on the savings to customers? We, I I have been informed uh, this morning and yesterday that... To part the insurance companies are telling uh, government is that they would see reduction uh, over the next, uh, maybe in the next number of weeks, uh, certainly in the next six to eight weeks. But uh, that is a commitment given by the insurance companies. But that has to be followed through. And government needs to be on their heels morning, noon and night to make sure that what changes have been implemented will 
benefit the ordinary person on the street because there's no point in making the changes and a lot of work has gone into it, a lot of challenges, a lot of legal uh, research has gone into this to make sure that this happens. Obviously, you know, it, it, it is a private sector industry so there can't be price fixing but there has to be a challenge to it and I think that my understanding is that government and the minister would certainly be meeting again with the insurance industry in uh, in, in, uh, in April again to pass uh, to press upon them the need to it. We are told that they will be passing it on, but okay. until we see that, it's, we will yeah, not it's, it really is up to the insurance industry now to play their part with the award levels have been having been uh, reduced. Okay, Michael. Before I let you go, I can just see I'm getting inundated with very angry texts and calls from listeners reacting to what Leo Varadkar has said this morning about the over sixties and the AstraZeneca, saying those who refuse to take the offer of the AstraZeneca vaccine will go to the back of the uh, queue. They'll have to wait until the end. People are very upset about that because people are very concerned about taking the AstraZeneca because there's been so much bad press about it. Yeah, I've watched the debate in terms of the AstraZeneca and and the vaccines and the vaccines and the Oh, Sorry, your your phone your phone is just is just we're getting slight interference. Yeah, we're just getting slight interference on your phone. Okay, go on. You're you're what you're watching the debate on AstraZeneca. Yes, I'm watching the debate on AstraZeneca, and like va- the vaccine is the only way that we can ensure that we get out of the, of the pandemic and, and the application of it. Yesterday, we had great news in terms of another half a million, but all through since early January, you know, AstraZeneca this. AstraZeneca that it has been whether the availability, whether they're matching the commitment they gave in terms of supply there's always been a question on AstraZeneca and you know I, I heard the comments today, I think myself to be honest you know we, we can't you know we can't allow you know this kind of oh no if you don't accept it now you're going to be at the back of the queue. I think that we have to be realistic with some, people. Some sorry some are saying it's bullying it does sound like bullying if you're over uh, 60 and you're nervous about getting the AstraZeneca and here we have the Taunish saying well if you don't take it you'll go to the back of the queue. Well I think that we don't need that. We don't like you know we have gone through a most horrific tw- uh, 12 to 14 months and people ha- are at the end of their tether. I see it every day of the week in the interaction. I've, people are very fraught and they're very into their tether. And a, a reassurance a, you know a fact out basis in relation to AstraZeneca in relation to the issues on AstraZeneca in relation to, and I think that the medical science that's out there, that the, the advices that we're getting from medical science over, uh, difficult and all as they have been, the advices we've got from medical science is what we should be going on and it has been hard to to pallet at times it's been hard to take at times because of the difficulties and the restrictions that it has put in, on ordinary people's lives but the, the, the science I think we'd win out at the end of the day. And I think rather than saying, oh, if you don't take it now, you're going to... I think what we need to do is to make sure that the facts are out there in relation to AstraZeneca. Many people have... Uh, many people have issues in relation to it. My own personal opinion, right, is that we should, you know, the, the first available vaccine that would be available to me, I would be taking it. That's my own personal opinion. I don't want to put, I, I'm not going to force that down anybody's throat. That's my own opinion on it. But I do think that rather than frightening people in terms of going to the back of the queue or anything else, I think reassurance in relation to what is an offer is the best way to go. And I think that, you know, a lot of people have mentioned to me, certainly yesterday, and uh, 
I- in relation to AstraZeneca. But people, people are, are ner- up, pe- of listening to the word AstraZeneca. Yeah, but people are nervous. And, and, and we know, even if you look back in history, if you want a vaccine, if you want people to take a vaccine and you want to get rid of vaccine hesitancy, the messaging around the vaccine and the vaccination programme is so important. And AstraZeneca is just the messaging has been so bad and the news has been so bad and it's, it's, we've flip-flopped in and out. And I mean, and, and I accept what you're saying, listen to the scientists and it's the one thing I'm always saying to listeners, go with the scientific evidence. But then you look at Denmark and their scientific evidence has suggested that they pull AstraZeneca completely. They're not giving it to, to anyone. They've taken it from all age groups. America also haven't given out uh, and they're obviously basing it on their scientific evidence. So you've got scientists in one country saying it's OK and then scientists in another country, in our country, saying if you're between 60 and 69, you're OK to get it, but it isn't OK for, for anybody else. You can understand where that hesitancy and worry is coming from. And that is the point I go back to. You know, a clear message in relation to AstraZeneca. I think on Denmark's side of it, I think that they were, from my understanding of it, is that there was a... a there was so much news coming, that there was so much in the news in relation to AstraZeneca that they felt that the public were not buying into it and that they wanted everybody to be comfortable on the messaging on vaccines. Uh, that, that's my understanding of it. Yeah, and that's what's happening here as well. People are not comfortable with the messaging. And we have to be very clear. Like, I, I heard the interview this morning and I just, I, I like, you know, I, I think that we have to be very, very concise in terms of our message in, t- in it. You know, people are listening to every piece of news on the vaccines, on particularly when their age group are coming up, and what are the issues in relation to it, and are studying them very, very carefully. And we have to be, like, you know, society has to be reassured that vaccines is the right way to go, that the vaccine is the important thing, is the way to go on it, and I think that the messaging is is causing a panic or an anxiety in some quarters. But me personally, I think that, you know, any vaccine or every vaccine, I would take. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm with you on that. If I got an offer today of AstraZeneca this afternoon, I'd roll up my sleeve and I would take it immediately. Okay, listen, we leave it there. It's just I wanted to mention to you because there's just so many calls and texts uh, coming in. All right, listen, we leave it there. We'll talk again, Michael. Thank you for that. And thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Fianna Fáil, Cork Northwest, Dáil Deputy Michael Moynihan. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part Part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie We constantly hear from our listeners who are out and about for walks or exercise that the lack of public toilets is a real concern. Well, a draft public toilet policy is being compiled by officials at Cork City Council following calls to increase the number of facilities in the city. Independent Councillor Lorna Bogue has called on the City Council to investigate the matter further and she joins me. Good morning to you, Lorna. Morning, how are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome. With the closure of hospitality and many businesses closed, particularly during Level 5, has that just added to the problem of too few public toilets? Yeah, it definitely has. Um, that's kind of why I included that wording in my motion about it because um, this motion went in a while back now. <laughs> Sometimes you put in motions and it just takes so long for them to come back that um, you're, you're very pleasantly surprised when they when they come back on the floor with the results. Um, you know, but um, yeah, um, it's, it's something that has definitely um, 
put a lot more pressure kind of on the situation um, because um, with all of the pubs and restaurants closed, um, usually, you know, people are actually quite um, facilitating and, you know, they'll be kind of like, oh, yeah, well, you know, go in and, you know, that's fine. Um, most of the time, you know, you don't even have to buy anything because people are so, you know, like friendly. And it is an accessibility issue at the end of the day. Um, so with all of those kind of facilities closed down, all that we're left with, um, essentially are what's publicly available and in Cork City unfortunately um, that's not much. And it's got to be a particularly a particular nightmare for families with young children because when a, one, a young child needs to use the loo they need to use the loo. Yeah well it's, it's a nightmare for everyone I mean like you know um, like it's, it's, it's older people as well in particular um, I mean like I'm I'm kind of getting a lot of contacts at the moment as well about um you know people wanting to use facilities like the marina or um you know that's that's just being pedestrianized or going down to the lock or places like that um and if you're an older person as well um or if you have a disability or um anything like that um if you if you find that you're not actually able to you know go out somewhere because well what happens if i get caught short and you know that's that would just be, you know, something that would prevent people from actually accessing um, public spaces. Um, so, and for people's yeah. mental health, we're constantly hearing, uh, and uh, and your physical health, how important it is to get out and have your daily walk and your little bit of exercise. Well, that well, that's it. That's it exactly. And um, and I suppose I, I should say that um, you know my motion specifically was related to um, you know permanent facilities that would be um, in in the Cork City Council kind of area. But um, you know, and it, it's my motion that happens to actually get actions. But um, council motions are a lot like roulette. So I actually want to pay tribute to all of the other councillors um, on Cork City Council um, who fully um, backed me up as well. And several of them have put in motions too about. Um, facilities to use in the interim for the summer um mm. so it's like we're, we're getting a lot of talk at the moment about um you know a, a summer outdoors yeah um, and that but like we also need to have public facilities for that summer outdoors or else we're going to end up in a situation like what we currently have down at the lock which is that um there, there's people urinating down alleyways um you know obviously they're looking for a bit of privacy but there's people who live on those alleyways um not fair yeah yeah exactly yeah. exactly um and that then has an on effect on um, permeability and whether people can actually sort of walk in and out and around estates and places like that. So it's it's a really big issue, um, and it's definitely something that I'm hoping this report will um will, will have some good news in it. Um, so things like mobile progress. mobile portaloos. I mean, yeah, that's... that was suggested at the council meeting. Yeah, so that was suggested by several councillors um, at our council meeting um, on it um, the, on Monday. Um, like that's that's kind of the thing that we'd be looking for, or some some kind of um, you know, like obviously anything like a portal would have to be monitored because we don't really want antisocial behaviour to happen with the portaloos either like that would be just like a, a total disaster mm. um you know and so it, it's 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 a, it's a really it's a really tricky issue because like it it it's it's totally interlinked with how people actually enjoy public space um in ways that you mightn't even have you know considered or thought about before you know but it's interesting that you mention antisocial behavior because if you're t- if you're talking about having permanent public toilets isn't there always a danger, and it has happened in the past, that some public toilets attract antisocial behaviour? 
Yeah, well, I, I suppose any building that's sort of left um, unmonitored or without, um, you know, surveillance of it um, can fall victim um, to, to issues like that. Um, so it's it's something that the report is going to have to look into as well, because if we're going to spend public money um, into putting up a public facility, we have to ensure that the, that facility is actually maintained. Um, you know, because like that's, I think that's probably the reason why we've had such a fall off in the number of public facilities over the last decade or so, particularly because like the amount of funding that councils receive is quite low in comparison to the amount of work that we have to do. Um, so, you know, we, we find ourselves in situations where we won't put infrastructure in place because every piece of infrastructure then has an ongoing maintenance cost associated with it. Um, so, you know, like that's that's kind of, you know, it's, it's all very slow and frustrating, um, you know, trying to get anything done on, at, at a council level. But um, I'm, I'm happy enough with this report for the time being, because if we have something that's costed and um, we know kind of what facilities we're going to be prioritising and where, um, then that means that the next time that there's state funding available, um, that we'll actually be well positioned to go and apply for that state funding. And usually um, we, we actually are quite good at um, quite good at getting it. Um, right. And, and yeah. then there was the introduction a number of years ago of the Superloos, but they proved to be really expensive, didn't they, at the end of the day? Yeah, they 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 did they did indeed. Um, and like the 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 ones that I've been hearing about, like basically my entire term as a councillor, because again, you know, every councillor has actually come up against this issue, um, during their career and has actually done something to progress it. So this progress we're seeing now is because of all of our work, um, on it. Um, but yeah, the ones I've I'm always hearing about are the ones on Grand Parade. Um, that those ones are actually quite difficult to maintain. Um, so yeah, and those would have been quite uh, quite an expensive piece of infrastructure at the time. So um, we're definitely going to have to come up with some other kind of approach to um, to to ensure that these facilities are there. And out in the county as well. I mean, like a lot of the beaches, because um, like ever since I've been talking about this issue, um, a lot of people have also been saying that um, you know even getting out to the beach mm-hmm. is difficult because you know the the, the toilet facilities aren't there or they've been closed down and now they're not coming back and all of all of this as well you know yeah, and may, you know, and I know when we when we get to be back up and running and open again and you'll have restaurants and whatever it isn't as much of a, a problem but certainly the lack of public toilets has, has really been highlighted uh, because of the pandemic listen good luck uh, with the policy uh, Lorna we will follow it with close interest but thank you for joining us and talking to us on the programme no worries thank you so good much good morning to you bye 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 that is uh, independent councillor Lorna Bogue of Cork City Council and, Liam, and Lorna is right well this is a city policy that we're talking about you could go into I would say every single county town and go to any scenic area and any of our beautiful beaches and this ongoing problem of if you're on a day trip what where do you go to use the loo Liam is in Bandon and he said he was chatting with a lady who was in a shop recently and the lady was quite annoyed because she knew that there was a toilet in the shop but the toilets have all been locked up now and she asked to use them and they they wouldn't allow her to to use it now Liam said he was a bit surprised because he 
said he was in the same shop on another day and when he asked to use it they did he was allowed to use it but this particular whoever this lady met on that particular day the staff said no and I suppose they can't just leave the toilets open and let everybody uh, in and out and Neem reckons in Bandham there's only one filling station he reckons that provides public toilet uh, facilities and that's for the whole of the town and obviously all of the hotels the restaurants the bars are all closed so you can't even go over a cup of coffee and say I'll go to the toilet at the same time and that's just in the town of You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This Saturday, join Trevor Welch on C103.ie for the excitement of the Premier League, powered by Talk Sport. We'll bring you exclusive live coverage of Newcastle versus West Ham. That's at 12.30. And then Wolves take on Sheffield United at 8.15. The Premier League live online with now stream live Premier League action with an Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. You can listen Saturdays on the C103 app are go to c103.ie Some of your texts coming into us. We were talking about public lose in the last hour. Councillor Declan Hurley says, hi Patricia, delighted to hear the, about the Cork City Council motion with regard to public toilets. We have a situation in West Cork where Cork County Council has closed a public toilet in Ballinine and the councillors had to fight to get it reopened looking forward to the report from Cork City Council says uh, Declan. And hi Patricia, I went to Yall yesterday. No toilets, totally wrong. It's so important for young and old that you have clean public toilets available to you. Toilets are needed in every single seaside. I'm surprised to hear that because I'll have to check in with Ken on Ken Tobin on The Breakfast Show. When Ken was in Yall the day before last and I'm sure when I asked him about public toilets, he said that there is a public toilet there. So I'll get that checked. If anybody in Yall can tell us public toilets and are they opened and available to members of the general public? Now, let me just touch on some of the calls and texts and WhatsApps we have had in with regard to AstraZeneca and in particular that AstraZeneca is now only available for those aged 60 to 69 and for people aged 65 to 69. The portal online registration for with the HSE for people to receive an AstraZeneca jab at a HSE vaccination centre either starting I would believe starting as early as next week but it'll roll across the month rest of April and into May and not everybody too happy with it. Let me just give you a sample of some of the listeners thoughts. A Killarney listener says hi Patricia regarding the vaccine. If the regulatory bodies came out on day one and said this vaccine may in rare cases cause blood clots then I could have made a conscious decision whether to take it or not but this didn't happen when it was injected into me I was unaware of the dangers of blood clots shortly afterwards the uncertainty began now they've come out with this staff statement if you're aged between 60 and 70 it's safe to get it but on what basis has this been arrived at I have so many serious medical issues the AstraZeneca shot I took innocently is now adding to my anxiety and undoubtedly says this Killarney listener I'm not alone on this well how they arrived at it was because any of the cases to date of blood clotting 
has been in people under, well under the age of 60, I have to say. In the majority, it was, it's women in the main and in the majority of cases, they were in their 20s, 30s and uh, 40s. Don't know if there was even any case in, in anybody in, in their 50s, but definitely there wasn't a case in anybody over the age of 60. So that's the reason that they've decided to do the cutoff at uh, 60, 55 in other uh, countries. Um, and I absolutely, I don't think you're on your own. I think there's a lot of people who've already got their first vaccinations and are worried about getting the second one uh, for sure. Liz in Kinsale says, morning Patricia, I wonder is it ever due to the fact that AstraZeneca vaccine is much cheaper than the other two vaccinations? Is that why the Irish government are forcing uh, people to receive it rather than like other countries who have halted it completely? Well, I think the only country that's halted it completely to date is Denmark and I know America while they've stockpiled it they just haven't used it but that's I don't know if I could say used it yet because they seem to be awash with vaccines so maybe they don't need uh, to use it but other countries similar to Ireland they've just halted it for certain age groups Hi Patricia, I'm really worried. Having a, a history of blood clots and aneurysm in my family. Lost two brothers and my mum and dad to blood clots and aneurysms. I'm very upset by all of this. I'm actually really anxious. Hi Patricia, the AstraZeneca is only 75% effective, whereas the Moderna and Pfizer are 97% uh, effective. That's from a loyal Cork listener who preferred to get one of the other jabs. Hi Patricia, just to say, when I went in for a hip oper- operation, I was told that the would be and could be possible side effects. The side effects were as follows. One, I could end up with one leg shorter than the other. The second, in very rare cases, I could end up with blood blood clots. And thirdly, I was told I could actually die. When you go for cataracts, there is a very rare side effect where you can end up blind. But yet, how many people every single day still go for these operations? So making the point that there's side effects with a whole host of medical procedures and uh, indeed medication. Somebody else says, so are they, I feel that they're using the over 60s as guinea pigs and your doctor is not going to be able to give you the vaccine so for me, it'll mean going to a vaccination centre in Formoy. I have no way of getting there. Anyway, if I do get offered one. Do you know something? I did think of that when I mentioned that the, that with the fact that the online registration scheme system is now open for 65 to 69 year, year olds. And we're told that people in that age group are going to be offered a vaccine at one of the HSE vaccination centres and not at your GP practice. I did think of that, that there will be people who don't live close to a HSE vaccination centre and people would prefer to live to go to their doctor because they all live close to their GP so I don't think as well that you're going to be on your own I don't know how the HSE are going to get around that you will have some people who will have a family member that might be able to bring you but there will be a proportion of people who literally have nobody nobody at all who's going to be able to drive them and take them along for their appointment and then if it's a set appointment you might have somebody at that particular time to take you so I can foresee I definitely can foresee that causing problems as well. Heard Michael Moynihan speak to you in the last hour when you asked him about AstraZeneca and in particular what Leo Varadkar said earlier. He's so normal and so understanding for people and uh, he spoke and got through to people. His message was very uh, clear but to me what Leo Varadkar did this morning was bullying us 
Hi, Patricia Leah Varadkar has a damn cheek. AstraZeneca offers lesser variant protection for one thing. The 60 to 69s, I feel, are being scapegoated to enable younger people to have adequate vaccine numbers of Pfizer and Moderna. My thinking is they're looking at the over 60s who are facing the pension and will cost the state a lot less to the exchequer if anything happens. Uh, I, I don't listen. I don't. I don't think it's got anything to do with paying our pensions. But I can understand how people would have concerns uh, like that. Hi, Patricia. Love your program. Thank you very much. I'm 63. I had a clot in my leg in 1994 after a back operation. So obviously, I'm very worried. Somebody else says too much information. That's what's causing all the worry. That's where I went back to about the messaging. The government, the HSE and Neffet have got to get the messaging right. And I thought it was interesting when I asked Michael Moynihan and I mentioned the fact that Denmark have decided to withdraw AstraZeneca completely. That's from all age groups. And that is, it's around the messaging. Denmark felt there was too much negative messaging around AstraZeneca and they are aware that there would be vaccination hesitancy. And for that reason, they've withdrawn it from all age groups. And I think that's a sensible move on behalf of uh, Denmark. Hi, Patricia. I would love to get a vaccine, but I think I'm entitled to not put myself in danger unnecessarily. Maybe if the likes of me don't bother that will actually suit Leah Varadkar. If so, if I don't get it, there will be more vaccines for other people. Um, I felt it was very bullying, the comment by Dr. Varadkar. I am so upset. Hi, Patricia. What about those that don't have a home computer or broadband asking people to register online? Again, bah, humbug, left without flying their own flag. Well, if you're not, if you don't have access to online, you can call the HSE, HSE Live on 1850, 24 1850. You can register over the phone as well. It's not just online. They say the quickest and easiest way to do it is online, but they will take uh, calls to register over the phone, 1850, 24 1850. Morning, Patricia. I'm Absolutely fuming. The cheek of Leo Radker to say that if the 60 to 69 year olds don't take the AstraZeneca vaccine when it's offered to them, they should be shut out until everybody else is vaccinated. It's an absolute disgrace. And this age group have genuine fears. I myself, for example, have a blood disorder. One of the side effects is clotting. I've been taking medication and attending haematology for years to prevent clots and now I feel I've been thrown into this cohort. It is disgusting. And then Mary says, just see listening to Leah Radker saying I refuse the AstraZeneca will not get a vaccine until June or July. Well, I'm 62 and I've had a clot. I asked a consultant who said I should not take that particular vaccine. We've paid taxes all of our lives. I've been inside except to go for a walk and to do my food shopping. I am so upset. Why should people like me just have to be forced to take what I feel now is an unsafe vaccine? He didn't do anything about the people that jumped the queue. No, they were too important. We are just the group that do not count. I wonder if he had a relative of his own would he see after them? I'm so upset. I'm actually crying as I'm sending you this text. I've been so careful. I've stayed within my 5K and I'm always doing the hand washing and doing everything else that I've been asked to do. And now I'm faced with this. Well, I think you've got a very genuine reason for it. If your consultant has told you you're not to take AstraZeneca, you need to test that one to the full. At Mary, I would be suggesting that you get onto the HSE Live to register and tell them that your consultant has told you not to take AstraZeneca and let us know how you get on. I'd be really interested uh, to see how that one goes. 1850 at 333-103 and can I put this one out if anybody can help us or give advice here. A listener says, Patricia 
Do you know, if a person is naked in a public area, are they breaking the law and can you report them to the Gardaí? The reason I ask is, I was out on my local beach. Now, I don't know where the local beach is, by the way. It's not stated in this text. I was out on my local beach and I came across this guy stretched out, completely naked. He wasn't even from around here, by the way. It just made me really angry. Well, OK, you, you ha- we do have nudist beaches. I don't know if we have any of them here in Cork. We do certainly have nudist beaches around the country and it will be clearly signposted because not everyone is comfortable with going onto a beach where everybody is completely naked. Other people, nudists, have no problem at all with stripping all off and going for the all-over body tan. I hope he had his sun lotion on, on him as he was stretched out there for the world to see. But yeah, it can be upsetting if you're walking on the beach, going for a nice walk, taking in nature, and suddenly you come across a man or a woman who's just very comfortable in their own skin, but... Other people might be so comfortable looking at your skin. So I simply, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, we'll see. I'll get John Paul to check in. I'm assuming it's something we need to check in with the Gardaí. Are you allowed to strip naked? Now, whatever about changing your clothes and the towel drops and you'd, you would quickly pick it up, making sure that nobody would see anything. I'm a, I'm, I'm a convent raised girl and I'm very uncomfortable about dressing or undressing in front of anyone. I mean, that's just the way I was raised and I think it was a lot to do with the nuns and in, a, in many ways probably a conservative mum as well. Even as sisters, we would all be very conscious about, I certainly wouldn't be stripping off in front of somebody so I certainly wouldn't be going along to a nude speech but each to their own. I'm not, if that's what somebody wants to do, that's fine. But do you only do it in an area where there's not going to be members of the public who might be offended about the fact that somebody is deciding to be completely naked, stretched out all for himself? Maybe he wasn't expecting this person to walk on by at the the time. But then if he was on a beach, it is a public area. Is it a reportable offence to the Gardaí? Does anybody know? 1850 333 Caulfield's super value there in Bandon they're looking for deli assistance now you must be available to work weekends and weekdays Clonakilty Park Hotel they're hiring staff it's for all hotel positions while experienced ground workers pavers concrete workers and machine workers are wanted Hallisey and partner solicitors they're based in Bandon they're looking for an admin assistant strong IT skills please you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103 Cork today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie a County Kerry priest has claimed that scenes in an episode of last Sunday night's Fair City disrespected the Catholic faith. Father Kevin McNamara, parish priest of Movane, joins me uh, to share his concerns about this particular episode of Fair City. Good morning to you, Father Kevin. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're very welcome. Now, I have to declare, I don't watch Fair City, so, and, uh, so I obviously didn't see this particular episode. Can you outline what was in the scene and why you felt it has so disrespected the Catholic faith. The storyline goes that uh, this woman had a one-night stand with the priest on the night before he got married over 30 years ago. 
and subsequently the, the priest married, they married, went on with his marriage the following day and his wife had died. He joined the priesthood and he was now a priest. He has come back into uh, her life now because he's uh, acting as a social worker come priest in the area and um, she came to him last Sunday night and said she wanted confession. Okay. And I have no problem whatsoever with the storyline. Uh, I think it's, you know, it, it's a sad storyline, but it is uh, true to life. But what I do strongly object to is that she prefaced, she said, can I have confession? And then she said to him, uh, we, we know what about the seal? If, if I tell you something, he said, if you tell me something in confession, I can never tell it to anyone. So she proceeds then to uh, start asking him about his life. And anyway, it subsequently she, she kind of uh, admits or tells him then that she, uh, her daughter, that he is the father. Okay. Um, now, again, nothing, nothing wrong with any of that. No, no. Yeah. But the, 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 the problem I have is she prefaced it by saying, can I have confession? Uh, again, she prefaced it, he put on a stole, which indicated that something sacred was going to take place. Uh, secondly, he went in and he brought out some whiskey. They had it in at the make-believe church, but the altar that was used on it is the altar that is used for every mass that comes from the RT studio. It's a religious. It's the it's the real altar that is used for, and that was used as a prop. So, and what I object to strongly is that she, the scriptwriter should have said, "We need to talk." And I have something very confidential to tell you, not done in the context of a church, but bringing in confession into it on a Sunday, which was Divine Mercy Sunday, where Catholics the world over are asked to focus on confession, uh, was totally inappropriate and very, very hurtful uh, to me anyway as a priest, and I'm sure to many people who would have strong beliefs in Divine Mercy and confession. And were they smoking as well? And, and, and now you, you're yes. saying that the set was done. They were meant to be inside in a church. It, yes. was, it wasn't that they were sitting at his kitchen no, table. No, no, in, it, wasn't in the, the, it wasn't that they were at the bar or outside yeah, keeping yeah. social distancing in a, in a patio or anything like that. And I so. mean, have you ever heard of somebody drinking and smoking inside in a church? No, I haven't. No. And, and, this and is, you see, you see the, the, the point I'm making to Fair City is because some years ago, they had a storyline where a priest actually broke the seal of confession and came out and disclosed with what, what was said to him, um, which was totally wrong. My point is, if they are going to deal with Catholic storylines, and again, if they want to, that they should research them and present them in a way that gives them absolutely the true meaning of confession and the true meaning of what they're, what they're taking part. Obviously, no research was done on this, and it was just done in a casual way. But it's the casual way that confession was used and mentioned. I'm dealing 40 years with people uh, who have hang-ups about confession, bad experiences in confession, and certainly Sunday night wouldn't have enhanced or encouraged anybody to seek forgiveness or to make a fresh start on their life again through the love and power of Jesus. 
Yeah, listeners says on the Fair City programme, I uh, watched it last uh, Sunday, I watched the programme last Sunday. I thought it was very upsetting, the fact that they were drinking and smoking in a church setting right next to the altar. I know it's only a TV programme, uh, but I can understand why the priest is upset because I was also upset uh, by it. But I'm really taken aback, Father Kevin, to hear you say that that's actually the altar that they use when they're doing the televised mass. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, it's not that's, even a set. Yeah, and you know, Patricia, I, 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 I think, I think that the hardest thing for me to take is that it's a continual swiping at the Catholic faith by RTE. Now, I, I must say, on a positive side, uh, Fair City, the producer Fair City, has been in touch, has apologised profusely, and very sad that they had caused me such upset, and there was no intention of uh, doing it on Fair City Sunday or uh, uh, doing it on um, Divine Mercy Sunday, but it just so happened because of the backlog of COVID and things that they had to put it in on that particular Sunday. But the other important thing is that this is the first time that they've actually engaged with me because I would have, I would have complained about a few things over the years where I think there's a constant, a constant erosion of Catholic values. And people might be listening and say, ah, that priest would need, you know, it's a trivial thing and it's only a soap and it's only, you know, it's not make-believe and, you know, it's only a good drama and it's good, good television. Yeah, but again, if other religions were brought into it, uh, again, if we were all equally treated the same, but it is a continual bashing of the Catholic faith and an erosion of the Catholic faith that I think that they have crossed the line this time. Hopefully, I think RT are learning more and more uh, that uh, these lines must be respected and again the sanctity and goodness of confession needs to be upheld. Larry says would they have set that scene in a mosque? I don't think they would. <laughs> Certainly. Well, it would be the end of the show, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and you know, there's a difference There's a difference as well with, with, with tolerance of things and I think we've been tolerant. You know, there was an awful skit made on, on, on Jesus at Christmas in the television with a newsreader, an extra newsreader doing yeah. it, making it look like as if it was news headlines. Um, and, you know, the constant thing of uh, uh, Father or, you know, Mrs. Brown's boys and Father Ted, bringing in Catholic storylines that, like, it, it's a cynical side and a smart side. Uh, I mean, in the heyday of Father Ted, I never watched it, but, you know, you'd be going into a wedding reception and all you'd hear is somebody saying, go on, go on, go on, go on, Father, go on, go on, I go on, you will, you will, you will, you will, you will, you will, you will. You know, that kind of thing. and um, it, it, annoy- it was getting annoying for you, was it? Well, it was getting annoying, but I mean, constantly, morning, noon and night. Uh, I, I, I worked in Cork as well. I worked in Cork City. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I get parish missions around the country. And when you be going around the country giving parish missions, uh, you know, you go into children inside in school and you'd give them a little story from the uh, a parable from the Bible. And you'd, give, you know, tell them a few little things about Jesus and tell them about the parish mission. And then you say, any questions? And the hand it shoot up, the first hand it all shoot up. Do you watch Father Ted? <laughs> So again, you know, television does have an influence. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And I mean, it is it is a drama at the end of the day, but dramas can and do cause offence. I mean, and well, that's... I think I, I, but, but listen, I, but RTE, I, have they apologised? They have, they have apologised. Yeah, yes, they have, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they know they've done wrong. Well, they, 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 yeah, they, 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 they didn't realise that it would cause such an offence. But I mean, the casual way that it was done, it certainly uh, caused, caused me an offence. But Patricia, I suppose the other thing that, you know, are, are we becoming a tolerant country? Am I becoming an old grumpy old uh, <laughs> priest? I, I don't know, but uh, RT got one complaint about it, and it was from yours truly. No other uh, clergyman, 
bishop, priest, layperson uh, give any complaint whatsoever. Wow. And, and you surprised by that? Saddened more than surprised. Yeah. Because when I saw it on Sunday night, I, I mean, I was emotional on Sunday night. I'd spent from 2 o'clock until 5.15 in an, at the car park out in the open with a stole uh, and a cap on my head because I'm bald. Uh, but uh, <laughs> hearing confessions and, you know, people that came, they were very... They were very open and receptive to the forgiveness of Jesus, and to see it mocked in such a way on on Sunday night saddened me. But the the, the good news, in the spirit of confession, I have forgiven them, and and you know there is good relationships with us. And further to um, you know people saying that I, I advising not to pay the license, one hundred and ten percent, no, please pay the license. I'm not asking anybody to break the law. Yeah, we need we need to clarify that yeah, because yeah, that because, no, it was misquoted, I, I think, in some of the papers yes, yesterday. Absolutely. You're not telling people absolutely. not to pay their TV license. Okay, ten percent, no, you're no, 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 no. But the question I ask is, and it's a challenge for RTE, that again, should this continual erosion and disrespect for the doctrine of the church? And the things that are held sacred, such as confession, uh, you know, again, if these are not respected, you know, uh, again, Catholics, you know, should they be still expected to pay um, a license to a a station that, you know, doesn't respect uh, or doesn't, you know, has a lack, lack of knowledge? And respect for the Catholic faith and, okay. and, and well, I can and see doctrine. I can see we've a lot of texts coming in from uh, people saying nothing wrong with the scene, but it's just it shouldn't have been held inside in a church. They could have had that conversation anywhere else yes, if they wanted my, to that, get they wanted to get the storyline yeah. in. Yeah. And uh, Jerry says, Patricia, I'm not a regular church goer. I have a simple faith, but Father Kevin is. right. It wouldn't happen in any other religion, says Jerry. So why should it constantly be the Catholic Church that is targeted? And well, somebody else says, well done to Father Kevin for speaking up for our Catholic faith. Fair City was terrible. I also was very upset. I didn't know who to complain to. I won't be watching it again. Thanks, Patricia, for having Father Kevin um, on. So there was a lot of people were were upset and, and, you know, and that's... And you you see, the the, the one thing that I get now, I mean, I've got, you know, I've got a barrage of, of uh, you know, emails and, and, you know, an awful lot of them, you know, I mean, it's kind of 50-50. Some people saying, will you grow up? And, you know, the church did this and, you know, they, they, they bring up things like Bishop Casey and Father Cleary and, you know, uh, you're all the same and this should be done. But uh, again, I'm not going to be bullied by that kind of an attitude. I, you know, I have, well, whatever, whatever the sins of the church and whatever the weaknesses or vulnerability of the church, I want to stand proud and loud about the doctrine of the church. And when, when uh, you know, confession is betrayed in such a flippant and, and, and casual way as last Sunday night, uh, it is totally wrong. And that, that was my point. I think Fair City have taken it on board. But, and, uh, and I hope that, uh, that for future episodes that a, a bit more research will, will yeah, go into Yeah, it. and you would, I mean, and that's generally speaking what happens with most, particularly the soap operas, because so many people uh, almost think soap operas are real. I remember, see, the Coronation Street, our EastEnders had an Alzheimer, it was Coronation Street, they had an Alzheimer storyline and the amount of research and work they did with the Alzheimer Society in the UK because they wanted to make sure that they didn't offend anyone and they also wanted to make sure that they got it perfect. 
Yes. Uh, and that happens with soap operas all over the world. You go to, you go, and you find out, well, how would this normally uh, be handled? Uh, Solicitor says, I agree 100% with uh, what Father Kevin is saying. Fair play to him for speaking out. Long overdue, RT needs, needs to take responsibility for what it allows to go out in the uh, public. And Father Kevin, how are, you, how are you getting on in lockdown? Are you finding it tough? And how are things going for you in, in Mulvane? My ben, yeah. Uh, well, um, again, again, I suppose uh, I, I'd be unfair, Patricia, if I said I wasn't finding it tough. Yes, I live on my own. I have two churches. At the very beginning, when the first lockdown came, uh, I'm in a, a, an area of North Kerry, which covers Ballybunion, Ballylongford, uh, Dewar, Listowel, um, and Larry Compone. And uh, because some of my colleagues were over 70 for the first lockdown, I, it resulted that I was doing funerals practically every day. Now, thankfully, we've only had about two funerals in, in, in all. I did 47 funerals in the last year wow. uh, for, for, for a rural place. And, and, and one day in particular, I had two funerals, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. So, and funerals are very trying and difficult. And, and I suppose that was the thing. And from the word go, I, I, I pleaded with the government. I pleaded with public representatives that, you know, a lot of families would be in a family bubble and trying to restrict to 10. I didn't, I, I didn't split numbers. I just, you know, asked people to be realistic. We have a very big church in my van. So, again, you know, we, we could be at one or two above the numbers or whatever. Uh, so we, we did that. And then, uh, you know, we, we went a little bit on, on social media. We, we went with uh, masses, you know, uh, through YouTube. But um, I, I just felt there was no link. I was just st- talking into a camera. So I devised a plan. We have a big car park. I got the doorway of hope. I got, you know, the name put on it and a little bit of artwork of three little birds trying to fly into the church <laughs> and um, bread and wine on the other side. And I opened that side door. And we had the cars facing in so you, you, they could get the mass. Uh, first, I had it on Tanai for 90 days. And, of course, then it was very unfair on neighbours because it was a bit like uh, uh, the, holy, <laughs> the Holy Land. You were getting kind of... <laughs> so, uh, and so, so then I came up with a plan that we would put it in, um, in the wavelength in the cars. And yeah, the very good. And we, we, we got a 99.9 frequency, which we use just for the mass only. So, we, we you know, so uh, we, we've done that and I've never missed a day. And then in the outer little church, we put a little little hut up at the side of the thing and like they stay in the car park. And in that, I do mass there every Sunday morning. So trying to be time. creative, don't you? Well, it's, it is looking like the beginning of May, uh, Father Kevin, is when, because they're talking about hairdressers going back, but they're talking about people being allowed back into the church. But I'm assuming we'll be at the 50 number that we were at yes, before yes, Christmas. Yes, but at least yes. that would be a step in the right direction. But I, I, I must say, Patricia, as well, that people are fantastic. People of faith are fantastic. Um, my, my elderly people here. I haven't seen my my housebound, my first Friday calls in thirteen months. But I would phone them, and that parish radio link is a great little little thing because I go on in an evening and I do a bit of DJing and with a little bit of music beforehand. Give them the news of the day, give them a small little bits of information. You know who's sick and who's in this and who's in that and whatever. And they all tune in. They get ready. Then we we are up and running at half past seven with the mass. Jeez, radio, radio Kerry, you'll be having a fit. You'll be taking all their listeners. You're doing great. <laughs> and of course, you're you're a man at this parish. You were you were yes, one of our I presenters had, on I Faith had Matters. Wonderful, wonderful times there. You know, John Paul and myself yeah. go back a long way, and uh, fantastic. And I must say, 
uh, in those early days, and I presume he's as gener- he was the most generous young person I ever found, and nothing was a problem to he him. He still is. He uh, still know, is to this day. He walks. He walks the extra thousand miles in being accommodating and pleasant and good. And the family that reared him, anyway, I, I was so pleased with John, the late John O'Donovan, myself, with, with you know, and Tim as well. We, we, we'd be there in the early days, you know, but uh, but it was excellent, and I loved every minute of, of, of being on it. That's good. Well, it's good to know that you're keeping well. Listen, Father Kevin, I can see lots of calls uh, coming in saying, "Well done uh, to you." Uh, really, is fantastic. Listen, if I could just leave the, the, the final little thought. Okay. The final little thought. Um, I got a, a message the other day from uh, um, a, a clerical student that I kind of sponsor in the UK. Uh, he came from another country, and uh, he's going. He's he's now he has now chosen a diocese, so he, just to keep it all kind of you know just cautious about it. But he, he he's going to be ordained shortly. But uh, uh, at the end of his studies, and a few of us were supporting him financially. At the end of his studies, uh, uh, he you know. The bishops. He he asked, you know, what, which bishop w- w- would take him. So people are saying, oh, you can come to this diocese, you can come to that diocese. So one bishop anyway said to him, look, you know, you you you're coming to our diocese. So the young student said, look, okay, um, I want to go before I'm ordained uh, deacon. I want to go and uh, just have a chat with you. And he sat down in front of the bishop, and I, I thought this was extraordinary. He said, he said, uh, bishop, he says, will you be my spiritual father? Or my distant father. So the bishop mm. said, oh, he said, what do you mean? Well, he said, if you're my spiritual father, he said, I will gladly come to this diocese. Because if you're my spiritual father, you'll walk with me and you'll encourage me and we'll be together in it. If you're my distant father, are you, I will only just become an obedient little servant to you and there'll be no engagement. So he said, oh, well, of course, I'll, you know, I, I, I'll be your spiritual father. Well, he said, I haven't seen that in many bishops. Goodness. And That's great the saddest, honesty. The saddest thing that I find at the moment is, maybe it's difficult for the bishops, all I would ask them to do is, would they engage with us? Mm. Would they talk to the priests? I'm sick and tired of documents, 16 pages deep, arriving in your thing. Don't do this, don't do that, 24, in, in, boom, boom. Uh, you and know, no, nobody you know, talking no, to the man no, on the ground. And, you know, and, and then, everybody kind of thinking that if you if you have a Zoom meeting, my God, we're away in the hack. Oh, yeah, we had a meeting last week. Oh, it was great. Zoom, 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 Zoom. We have to, look, we just need that presence. Mm. And I would love if the bishops could just really just, just change a little bit and firstly encourage the priests, which would have a knock-on effect in we encouraging people. Yeah, and listen. Listen to the men on the ground. Absolutely. Listen, we leave it there, Father Kevin. Stay safe. A pleasure to talk to Thank you. And thanks you. thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, bye-bye. Uh, still a lot of texts uh, coming in uh, about Father Kevin. I completely agree with Father Kevin. There's definitely an agenda in this country to erode respect for the Catholic faith and for Christianity in general. It's so unfair to all of the genuine priests trying to promote Christianity. That's from Sheila. I agree with Father Kevin. That somebody else. I'm not a practising Catholic, but it wouldn't happen to any other religion they need to show respect for all of the doctrines Patricia at the end of the day it's only an, it's only acting says somebody else Liz says I watch Fair City all the time watched that episode last Sunday thought it was very wrong a listener in Bantry says fair play to Father Kevin lovely man to listen to well done on sticking up for the Catholic faith Kerry you're lucky to have the likes of him and Father Pat O'Donnell in Rathmore and that's from a listener in Bantry and just one final one Father 
Father Kevin is right in his criticism of RTE in a certain way, but I know a lot of the, a lot of people who don't have the internet very grateful to RTE for the daily masses during COVID times. So there's two sides to everything. That's from Michael to 0862-103-103. Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. We're going to Fomoy Guard the station for this week's Guard the Fire, where I'm joined by Sergeant John Kelly. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. And you are welcome. And we're going to talk about fraud in a moment. But firstly, you just want to mention, and this has been mentioned in the last number of weeks, uh, again, catalytic converters stolen. Yeah, it seems to be under increased at the moment. Um, we do we haven't had any burglaries say across the whole Cork North Division say for the past week. Um, but we have a number of catalytic converters now. Th- there was two to one night in Glenmort, right? The one particular night. So it looks to me as if somebody is coming into the area maybe a day or two before that. They're identifying where the cars that they need uh, uh, need to take. Uh, the catalytic converters, they know the types, you know. The, the, it seems to be the older cars, pre-2011, um, Yaris's, uh, Prius, Hondas, those type of ones. Okay. Um, because the newer models have the catalytic converter kind of integrated in, into the engine. It's not an easy job to do, as I was shown by, by one garage when there lately. So they tend to go for the older cars. Now, in this case, they went for two Toyota Yaris cars. Um, one was there at uh, Fermoy Road, Glenworth. Now, the injured party was last Wednesday, uh, Thursday morning, uh, between 1 and one fifteen, so a week ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so for people to cast their mind back, he thought he heard something around one, uh, one o'clock, one fifteen, um, and but was the next morning was he discovered that catalytic converter was gone from the, from the from his car. Now the second uh, incident was the same night, and it was between two and two thirty uh, a.m. We believe at Boharash Glenmort. That uh, again, the uh, Toyota Yaris. Now, could have been a simple in and out, probably a minute or two minutes, um, because we tend to see that they use one of those uh, uh, automatic ones for, you know, jacking the car up, you know, that they'll have it. So they can get in very quickly. In and out in a minute or two. Yeah, yeah. You know, but just to stress to people, you know, this is not a case where somebody can go and, uh, uh, you, you know, get a new catalytic converter. It's not a wing mirror that has been knocked off the car. Mm. Replacing a catalytic converter in a car that's 15 to 20 years old could be more than the, the, car, is worth the car itself. So stressful. literally those criminals are wiping out somebody, yeah. you, you know, as regards their motoring. You know, and we'd ask people, you know, if they see somebody uh, that seems to be paying due attention to... to uh, uh, cars like this, you know, Priuses, Yaris's in car parks or anything like that. You know, just a simple phone call because uh, we, we saw that going back last year over in the car park in, in Formoy. Um, there was somebody seemed to be mooching, but it turned out that they had identified a car a few days later that same car was here in, the, in, in that particular place and the catalytic converter. You know, but there, there's no doubt whatsoever there's somebody buying them. You know, um, there have been incidents up the country where catalytic converters, numbers of them have been uh, have been recovered by uh, Gary. Yeah, so operators. these criminals will travel. The, you know, it's it's very. They will you know, they're not. They, they weren't travel. from the yeah. area. They they, they travelled. Yeah, and I mean, okay. they're taking. So report the anything suspicious. Report anything suspicious. Rodeo, okay. Palladium, the two the air battles in it, and they're going for vast amounts of money. Okay, good. They're being targeted. And good um, to hear that there's no burglaries, but unfortunately, fraud and scam text messages. 
doing the rounds fraud, again. Fraud is going up week on week. We, we're, we're, seeing it the whole, we're seeing it the whole time. It comes in a variety of different ways. And I suppose I'll give you four, a few instances there. Uh, 24th of March last, uh, injured party there reported at the guard station, received a text message just for posing to be from the Bank of Ireland. The male thought this was legitimate, followed the link that he was asked to click on regarding a transaction for uh, 140 to do with a Revolut account. So in this case, state did, he didn't make this transaction. Subsequently, an hour later, injured party received a phone call, a legitimate phone call, stating that a transaction of about uh, three grand had been debited from his account, which Whoa. he didn't authorise. Okay? So um, we go then to the 7th of April, where a lady received a call to her mobile from someone claiming to be from the carers allowance section in, in, in the Department of Social Protection. They asked for her PPS number, her date of birth, her address, and her mother's maiden name. So the injured party provided those. Now, luckily enough, her daughter overheard and hung up the phone call before any further details were given. So, again, this is a different variety. And we do know, and there has been a national alert put out in this as well, that phone calls purporting to be from the Department of Social Protection. It doesn't happen. You know, the Department of Social Protection is not going to ring looking looking for details, or indeed any bank or anything like that. Um, the 9th to the 4th, their uh, person at Mellow Garda Station, uh, again, uh, they were contacted legitimately by the Bank of Ireland Fraud Department contacted them. Um, there had been uh, five uh, uh, five thousand uh, taken taken from their account, but it turned out that they had received a text message earlier purporting to be from Bank of Ireland and had actually filled in details. And uh, in, in other words, this 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 had been where that fraud had come from. Um, again, we have another one: public service card uh, used an online transaction according to a caller. Uh, right, they were dialing from a number which had zero two two at the start of it and mm. six digits after it. Now, uh, that we believe is from West Africa, but for a caller in the Mallow area, when they see a zero two two, they think it's a local number. So, uh, lucky enough, um, we, we've had at least three callers that have just banged down the phone, you know, and we've asked for more people, you know, to do that. And um, some of the calls appear to be automated. And okay. some appear to be, uh, some are with, with uh, an actual living person at the, at the back. The other end of the line, yeah. Yeah, another one there just to mention before I go, and that's uh, one that a person received. The person definitely had a Southeast Asian accent, right? Um, and the number coming up was uh, a zero one number in Dublin, and it turned out when it was Googled, it was actually... Uh, a legitimate number of a government department. So this is what we give as an instance of spoof calling, where the caller is able to mask the real number they're calling from by using a legitimate number. So in this particular case, it's the wording that a person should be careful of, right? Or they were calling on behalf of a federal organization in relation to drug trafficking. Federal is not a word we use. We're not a federal state, you know. But they didn't revert it to saying that, oh, this person's PPS number had been used. So, of course, they had the, they had the right terminology there for the PPS number. And a big cock and bull story uh, about blood found in the car that they had uh, hired, you know. And they, and what do they want? They, they wanted their bank details, you know. So, look, I say to people, you know, you received any phone call, you know, number like that, you don't know what it's from. If they don't, straight away make make, you know, tell you what it's about. Just hang up. You know, you can use whatever language you want. If you want to be colourful, 
Fire away, you know. <laughs> but just do, just don't engage, and it's the same. Don't like engage, we don't get engage. a lot of the listeners will send on a copy of the text message to us, which is great because yes. we can then we can call it out and we can let people know. Look, such yes. and such text is is doing the round. But I just always say to people, just simply delete the text message uh, immediately. Yes. And if Absolutely. it is from your bank, say or or whatever, mm. and you think that your bank may be trying t- to get in contact with you, then call your bank from right. a number that you genuinely know is your bank branch or is the bank head office don't use a number that's on the text message that has been sent to you Absolutely, you just do not follow the link or you do not follow any phone number you know contained within the text message that's given you know and just for people to be careful, um, there seems to be an overwhelming amount of it kind of in, in, the, in, the, in the last while and you know it probably is going to get you know probably is going to get uh, uh, a lot more wide, a lot more widespread. And I remind people, you know, we have two front doors in our life. You know, we have our physical front door, and we have the virtual front door by way of the PC or, and and uh, and the mobile phone. And we have to be yeah. very, very careful. And these scam artists, yeah, they're good at what they do. Okay, listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that, uh, Thank John. You, uh, look after yourself, and uh, we'll speak again soon. That's Sergeant John Kelly joining us from Formoy uh, Garda Station. Somebody was on asking if we could find out why the electricity was off in Madden's building in Blackpool. Uh, we've been on to the ESB networks, and we're told that electricity is due to be restored at lunchtime at today. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Lots of calls and texts coming in. Where will I start? The nudist beaches. <laughs> um, Annie in Clonakilty says, see, I don't know where the listener was texting from. They just said that they wrote for a walk yesterday and came across a man who was completely stark naked lying on the beach and this uh, person got a, got a bit of a shock. Annie in Clonakilty says, depending what beach it was, if it was a beach in West Cork, Annie reckons that Ona Hincha was known as a nudist beach years ago. Not Longstrand nearby, but there was a section of Ona Hincha beach that was once a nudist beach. Don't know if it still is and that's what we're trying to find out. I'm going to get John Paul to see if we can get information and if there is any nudist beaches in uh, Cork. And then Catherine by text when she heard the listener talking about the fright they got yesterday on the beach says, Patricia, did she mention what beach it was? I'd love to have a look says um, uh, Catherine and by WhatsApp on the nudist beach um, Hi Patricia when discussing the nudist sunbather sunbather, did you say that you get John Paul to take a look at that? (laughs) I I probably did I probably did because it's a turn of phrase I use I'll get John Paul to look into that so did I say look into that or look at that anyway we're trying to find out are you allowed to be naked on a beach in Ireland and someone else says if that's all that that lady has to worry about then she's a lucky lady and uh, has no problem at all with being seeing somebody nude on a beach and somebody has sent me is there a name on this there isn't a most gorgeous photograph saying over in Whiting Bay at the moment Patricia in my element going for a walk and it's just a gorgeous gorgeous picture how I'd love to be by the sea enjoy Whiting Bay and let us know if you come across anybody out sunbathing naked uh, please okay Fair City 
Mary and Balancolic, it's only a storyline. Would you ever tell people to cop themselves on and don't be getting so overexcited by it all? Whereas John was on to say, I agree with Father Kevin, it's open season on the Catholic Church. If you're going to have a go off one religion, i.e. in this case the Catholic Church, then why not have a pop and show disrespect for other religions? I was very disappointed, but though... Well, I'm happy to hear Father Kevin giving out about the storyline. I was disappointed with him that he didn't back the priest from Cavan on the opening of the churches. Father Kevin is one of the priests who agrees with them remaining closed during uh, COVID. Yeah, well, he's not on the line now. I imagine that is to try to keep his parishioners safe because he did say when he was discussing all the funerals that he did, he gave a little bit of leeway on the 10 if there was, you know, 11 or 12 in a family who needed to be in the church he was allowing people to do that but you know maybe he's trying to keep his parishioners safe and thank you to our own Tim Coughlin who rang to say hi to Father Kevin he used to be the sound engineer on Faith, Faith Matters and I'm assuming Tim if you were listening you would have heard Father Tim mention you you and you and John Paul very fond memories of the two of you looking after them, him so well when himself and Father John O'Donovan Lord Marcinum used to be doing uh, Faith uh, Matters now also in to us by let me just check the WhatsApps here. Um, on AstraZeneca, we are still getting a lot of texts in on uh, this. Margaret says, Hi Patricia, shocked to see what the government have done to the most vulnerable regarding the over 60s. And what Leo Radker said today, if you receive the AstraZeneca vaccine, then you go to the bottom of the list. This to me, I feel is bullying. I rang the number, by the way, today to register complete joke. You have to press one for this, press two for that, press three for that. How do they expect 69-year-olds to go through all of that procedure? I have an autoimmune condition and I don't know where I stand. I'm actually distressed by what is happening at the moment. You know, my husband has had his vaccination. He got the Pfizer jab, he sailed through it. If I don't take the AstraZeneca vaccine, I won't be able to meet up with family and I'll end up isolated at home, says Margaret, who feels she's no other choice now but to take the uh, jab. Please God, Margaret, you'll, it'll be fine. The risks are tiny. Keep keeping that uh, in mind. You'll be, please God, you'll be absolutely fine. Look at the millions of people, is it 20 more, 200 million people have been vaccinated and it's a tiny, tiny proportion that have had a, a reverse effect. So please God, you will be fine. Will, somebody has said, would Leo Varadkar please withdraw the comments he made earlier today? It shows he only wants to use up the Astra Zeneca vaccines that we have in stock. I am so upset. I've decided now I'm not going to register. I feel I'm being bullied. Also, AstraZeneca vaccine has only a 10% efficacy for the South African variant. And we know there are a small number of South African variants that have tested positive here in this country and also in England. And people like me cannot get a vaccine that we feel is safe for us. I know the vaccines we were told that the vaccines belonged to the people of the country. It sounds to me like they are more belonging to the government and not to the people of Ireland. Certainly not happy with it. 1850 John in Fairhill says AstraZeneca, when it first came out, they said that they would offer the vaccine free of charge to third world countries. From the very start, there has been concerns about this vaccine. I have always asked myself, is it because the other farmer industries did not offer this 
and it's all coming down to profit. The other debate that now I feel should be happening in Leinster House is if Denmark have now decided to withdraw AstraZeneca and they're no longer going to use the vaccines, should the Irish government be purchasing the vaccines that Denmark are no longer going to use because they'll have leftover vaccines and bring them to Ireland instead? I would have no problem at all, says John in Fairhill, in taking the AstraZeneca jab. And actually there's others... There's others saying that as well, where there are people very nervous about getting it. There are others who say, no problem. And I, I'm, I'm in that cohort. I, I don't have a problem. I think the first vaccine I can get into me is the vaccine that I will uh, take. And there are many people who would take the AstraZeneca. So some people are saying, rather than forcing them on people who really don't want to take the AstraZeneca, could they not instead say to people, well, if you are willing and you want to take this vaccine to open up the online to, to those people instead. I mean, there's there's John in Fairhill who says in the morning he'd take the AstraZeneca and there's a lot of other people uh, who feel like John as well. 1850-333-103. Debbie on Twitter says the risk rate is so low we should be given any vaccine that's available. She doesn't understand why people are being nervous about it. Aidan then has a suggestion. Get Micheál Martin, Leo Varadkar and the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly put them all on TV live and make them take the vaccine and then it might allay the fears for others now I know straight away what people will say is oh well they're just politicians they're not in the age group and they're jumping they're, they're jumping up the age cohorts in order for them to get the vaccines but Aidan reckons that if all of the all of the government ministers came out and said look we'll show you how safe we feel AstraZeneca is all of us are willing uh, to get it would that allay people's fears? I don't know 1850 333 103 Okay on um, John says why are people giving out about poor old Leo Varadkar today who put him in there we did we the people voted for him says uh, John on catalytic converters that we spoke with Sergeant John Kelly about Dennis and Blarney says Patricia catalytic converter and the problems that have been stolen has been going on for years and years and years. If scrapyards stopped giving money for these components, unless you've a recognised garage with a VAT number, then the problem would simply go away. It's a simple fix in my eyes, says Dennis in Blarney, which is a good suggestion. It's like with when we were seeing the puppies been stolen and thoroughbred, you know, uh, expensive dogs been stolen. If we stopped the market, if people stopped buying these puppies, it would put an end to it. It's the same with the puppy farms. If people checked out where they're buying their puppies from, it would stop as well. Dennis is making the same point on the catalytic converters. If there was nowhere to sell them on, then people would stop uh, robbing them. Joe in Dunmanway, this is on public toilets. Joe says, even if and when public toilets were open, I wouldn't use them. They rarely have windows, says Joe. There's never toilet paper in them. They never have hot water. And God knows what germs could be lurking inside in a public toilet. Not just COVID lurking in the air and on the surfaces. I prefer to keep my legs crossed until I get home, says Joe in uh, Dunmanway. We spoke about insurance uh, also on the programme today and we're hopefully going to all see our insurance premiums drop now that we know awards are going to be low 
no words because of the guidelines that come in from Saturday week for both PIAB and for the court service. Sandy says, I firmly believe that no matter what laws come in, premiums will not drop or will never remain low. However, if laws banning compensation for illegal activity and illegal injuries and involvement in assault were introduced, including trying to avoid arrest and allegedly dole payment prisoners on release, it would cut claims by over a half, in my opinion. These claims are big and they've closed pubs and other businesses. These are fraudulent claims. That's what Sandy's talking about. Also, allow pubs, etc. to retain their CCTV footage because you could go back then to see about falls and rows that were held as evidence. Unlike as the present, they've got to be deleted after a certain period of uh, time. Let them hold on to the film footage for as long as they need. And then if somebody comes up and says, I have a fall, you'll be able to look back on the CCTV and prove that the floor wasn't slippy or the person maybe we've seen evidence of that before where the person puts the water onto the floor themselves and then falls down and then suddenly oh my god I've soft uh, tissue issue so it's all of the fraudulent cases we need to stop that in order to get our insurance premiums down 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme, here to assist vulnerable people with their daily needs through the COVID 19 pandemic. See corkcoco.ie. The Kirdallery Bingo Group are reminding people that books for the home bingo are currently on sale locally in Kildallery. They're also available in Mitchellstown. Books cost €5 Euro each and proceeds are going to support Kildallery Community Development and the Kildallery GAA. And the Beira West Family Resource Centre, they're running online courses through Zoom on Wellbeings. They hold them on Tuesday mornings at 11am. All are free and they're facilitated by experienced support workers. They also have online sessions on mindfulness and self-care tips for mums. That's on Wednesday mornings. And there's also evening sessions on listening skills for parents and carers. To register for any of these free courses, you can contact Natalie on 86 or you can email nteacher at bearawestfrc.ie. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. We have an update on the person sunbathing in the nude on a beach in Cork. Uh, John Paul got onto the Gardaí to because the, the system wanted to find out if it is illegal to be naked on a beach and also she wanted to know could she report it to the Gardaí because she wasn't too sure if the person was breaking any laws or not. So we contacted the Gardaí and they say that there is an act being nude in public. It comes under the Offending Public Decency Order. But the Irish Naturist Organisation on their website have identified a number of beaches as beaches where you can sunbathe or go swimming in the nude if you want to. And the texter was back on to us to say that they would rather not reveal the beach. But we have double checked and the beach is one of the beaches that's identified by the Irish Naturist Organisation and I've just done a quick uh, click on the Irish Naturist Organisation and there are a number of 
beaches in just this is I'm literally just reading this now at the same time in Clonakilty Bay for example there are a number of uh, beaches um, Dunin Dunin Bay Sands Cove Prison Cove and Simon's Cove you are allowed to that's a naturist beach Long Strand naturist beach and if you're listening to us in Kerry, you can go to Inch outside of Tralee. That's a naturist beach. Clogher Beach outside uh, Dingle is also a naturist beach. But I'm just seeing, are they Banna? Oh, didn't know Banna Beach in Tralee. It's also a naturist beach. Uh, but they are they the only ones from what I can see? I'll have to take a look. I'll have to look at this further when I come off air. But they, it seems to be the only ones for Cork that I can see on here are the ones are in Clonakilty Bay, Dunine Bay, Sands, Sands Cove, Prison Cove, Simons Cove. And if you go on to irishnaturism.org, they give you all the coordinates if you want to pinpoint exactly where the beach is. So it is illegal to do it. Uh, if you are offending public decency, if you're not on one of the beaches that has been identified as naturist beaches. And it seems for our listener who contacted us, the man who was on the beach, she can't report him because he was well within his rights because it is one of the naturist beaches and you are entitled to sunbathe with no clothes on, just to let people know. Because some people find it offensive, others don't don't because the number of people who have contacted us to say can you let us know where it is I'd like to go down and uh, have uh, a look uh, 1850 on the church and Fair City and all that that we've been discussing this morning somebody says what a pity the church didn't make any fuss about the abuse uh, of, that some clergy committed and the way they treated single mothers they seem to speak out only when it's suiting them to me it appears they are still dictating and then we've had a couple of people on saying what's going on in Cork Airport. For example, Porrick says simply that. What is happening? What's going on at Cork Airport? And earlier on, Patrick says, it is beyond me. The Cork Airport is closing from September through to November for upgrading work on the main runway. This was announced yesterday. The Cork Airport is to close. It'll be about three months and it's to allow... Patrick is right, it's to allow for runway upgrade work. The decision by Cork Airport, according to Ralph Regal and the Irish Independent, to close the facility, it'll be 10 weeks from September 10th to facilitate the runway refurbishment and upgrade works. It was underpinned by the impact of the pandemic. Now, Irish airports obviously have been among the hardest hit globally by the pandemic and the collapse in air travel. Cork went from one of the fastest growing European airports to seeing passenger numbers drop by over 95%. Even though people still say, oh, there's planes going into Cork Airport. It's only 5% of people arriving Cork Airport that would would have been there before the pandemic. Cork Airport will close from September the 10th and the plan is that it will reopen on November the 22nd. The airport officials plan to operate a summer schedule then they'll pause all operation for this 10-week construction period and then the plan is that they'll be in a position then to reopen end of November and they'll reopen for Christmas. The closure of the airport will ensure that the €30 million project is done in a fraction of the time compared with it being done around flight schedules. Runway upgrading and refurbishment works had been planned before the pandemic hit but the airport officials decided to fast track the works over the autumn given the opportunity that's been um, offered. 
And of course, warnings have come from both the Taoiseach, Michal Martin, and from the Thornish de Leo Varadkar that Irish people shouldn't plan uh, an overseas summer holidays this year. And that has come as a major, major blow for the sector who are obviously waiting for a recovery in passenger numbers. But yeah, that's what's happening. That's There had been, as Ralph's article today says, there had been talks before the pandemic arrived that there was going to be this major refurbishment. And obviously the plan was that the the airport would operate as normal with all of the flights coming in and out. And they would try and work around the flight schedule. I imagine a lot of the work would have gone on at night. But they see this now as an opportunity. They can get the work done in 10 weeks. It's a fraction of the time it would have taken for this upgrade. But it seems to be upsetting some people today to see that the airport will be closed for, for 10 weeks. But, you know, they're doing it in a time when they have such a low low number of flights in and out. 1850 Your pet questions please for Jane Pickett, our resident vet John Paul is taking the calls. You can text her WhatsApp as well to 0862 103 103 and John Paul this is just on the beaches, on the naturist beaches. The Long Strand the 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 naturist beach on the list is beaches near Yall. The Long Strand Naturist say is on the list. Beaches near Yall listed also, and there are a number of beaches in the bay. Oh, yeah, the Bay of Clamond, the ones I read out. All right, there's there's also some beaches near Yall as well. Okay, that's for anybody who is interested in uh, going sunbathing in the nude. Um, our lines are open. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And we're just getting a traffic report in to say that the lights are out by Dino's in Blackpool in the city and people need to be very careful because some people are not giving right of way and I'm assuming that that's a tie-in with what we reported earlier of the electricity out in, it's obviously out in the general Blackpool area. ESB networks are working on it and the electricity is expected to be back by about lunchtime today but the knock on effect is the lights are obviously all out as well so please be very very careful because that's a very busy junction by Dino's It's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. In Blackpool. Okay, let me go to the phone lines. Billy joins me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Billy. Good afternoon, Billy. Now, Billy, you were one of the people who were due to get a vaccine. Was it yesterday? Yesterday, yes. And you got cancelled? Yes, I was taking vaccine yesterday at 12 o'clock with the AstraZeneca. And and how do you feel about being cancelled? I was in two minds whether to get it or not, but I had my mind made up to get it. Okay. I was after persuading myself to take it and that's it. And I was disgusted in when I found out that I wasn't getting it. I got a text from my doctor to say the AstraZeneca hadn't turned up. And what reason, why, what cohort are you in? Why were you getting AstraZeneca? I'm in cohort four, uh, high risk. You've got an underlying illness? I have. Okay. okay. So, so therefore, you need to be vaccinated as soon as possible? I need to be vaccinated yesterday, Patricia. Did the doctor say when you can expect to hear about a vaccine? He said when he hears it, when he gets the AstraZeneca, he'll get, he'll get back to me. But and what not. really maddened me was when the target came on television on the radio this morning and said that if you don't take the AstraZeneca, you're going to be put back to the end of the queue. Because his manner, as much as to say, you're no good to no one. You're vulnerable. You take what you get. Yeah, he's upset a lot of people with that sort of view, hasn't he? If he came out with a manner, Patricia, and said... You know, to the only vaccine we have available. But to turn the way he came over it, take it or die, in other words. You take it or wait until the end of the queue. I mean, he's a young, healthy man. And he's going to get the, the, the Pfizer or the Moderna. Uh, yeah, I can't get over the number of people who are contacting us who are you know, crying and upset by by this news. And they are in the main people who have been really minding themselves, staying indoors. You know, one woman said, I go out for a quick walk. I do my food shopping once a week and that's it. I've been a prisoner in my own home and, of course, wants to get a vaccine to allow her to go back out into the world again. But I think the government have to realise people are very nervous now about AstraZeneca. Very nervous. I do, I'm in two minds. I mean, with the last night on Today Tonight programme, this is only covering 10% of the South African variant. Yeah. Which is in this country at the moment. And why are they giving that particular vaccine to the cohort for? The very people that want to be 100% protected against the virus. Yeah, but it'll protect you against the other strains. And yeah, I I know it, it. it's a worry. It's a worry because we know how easily and how quickly the the Brit, the English variant arrived on our shores. And now it's making up 90% of the cases of COVID-19. And it will protect you at least against that one. But But the fact that the South African... I think is there fifty cases of it now in the country? Yeah, and there was only three yeah. at the start. Yeah, yeah. And the petition should uh, to be one one seven. So that's the government government fault as well. It is here. The way they opened up a business, they were told not to, and they did. 
Well, at least we've hotel quarantining now. We might be able to keep the... Well, uh, Patricia, stop. With the hotel quarantine, for God's sake. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be positive. Art. I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> that's a pure joke, article. That's the biggest... That's the biggest laugh of all time, sir. There are no hotels. There are no bedrooms. and 150,000 of miles. Yeah, it does. It does seem... Jesus, if I walked tomorrow morning when I was able to walk, and I said that to someone, and 150,000 people idle and I told the world that I can't get a man. So, You'd be laughed so, out of the place. You'll be right out. You'll be right out of the country, sir. And what are you doing, Billy? Are you being really careful and minding yourself because of the underlying health condition? Are you just been... Only for my wife, Patricia. I wasn't inside the shop for 12 months. Of any description. You're finding it tough? I am, of course. Um, Jesus, I mean, you'd have to find it tough looking out the window every day. Yeah. Okay, well, well, let's wait and see what they're going to do about the AstraZeneca and let's wait and see what they're going to do. Would you prefer if they did what they are doing in Denmark, pull it completely? I would. I yeah. would be a lot happier and a way happier and I wouldn't mind waiting another five or six weeks to get a proper vaccine. Because I'm afraid now that this vaccine, if I got it, it's no good to me. And I have to take it going by the liver of this morning. The way his attitude came out, we've no choice only to take it to what he said this morning. And I don't like taking it. No. Why did they pull that in Denmark? There's trouble with this since day one. Well, I think they pulled it in Denmark because they have researched their people and they know that there are people worried about the AstraZeneca. They're trying to make sure that their messaging is on point and that they're staying positive and that the vaccines that they give, people have confidence in it. And because people don't have confidence in AstraZeneca in Denmark, they've decided, right, that's it, we're taking, we're pulling it, we're taking it away. Uh, now, they may bring it back when confidence it comes up again, but for now, they've made the decision not to give it to anyone. And why don't they do the same here? I know. Why don't they make a decision here to suit the public for a change? Yeah. Instead of suiting themselves. AstraZeneca, Patricia, is a disaster from the start. They're blaming... It didn't arrive in time. It didn't do this in time. There was trouble in the factory. There was trouble in the factory in Netherlands. It was only all excuses. There was something wrong with this from day one. At least Johnson & Johnson, when they found out there was a problem, they stopped Okay, stay there because David is on the other line and he, you know, the, sorry, David is there. Um, he's there. Uh, good afternoon, David. Good afternoon, Patricia. You've, afternoon. Ju- you've just received your AstraZeneca shot. Yes, I, went to, I got it from the City Hall at about half, quarter to 12. And I'm, I'm delighted to get it. I know now there's a bit of, uh, a lot of scaremongering. People are fearful and they're worrying all about the AstraZeneca. But it's still a vaccine and um, it, it benefits well, the benefits far outweigh the risk. Um, I mean, if you actually went into a chemist and bought a box of Panadol right now and read the side effects, you probably would end up not taking the Panadol. Yeah. So, I'm like, just, yeah. the other, I mean, there's side effects for every every box of medication inside in the chemist. And if you read them, you'd never take a tablet again in the rest of your life. And why are you entitled no. to a vaccine today, David? Well, I, I'm, I'm uh, 69. And I have a very serious lung complaint. Okay. And as you know, as you know, COVID nineteen loves people's lungs. Yeah. And if, if I ever got the vaccine, or got the COVID nineteen, um, there's about a hundred percent chance that I wouldn't, I wouldn't survive. So, like, the, the, the vaccine that I got this morning is in about three or four weeks. Sure, I was told 
we're kind of um, almost completely I'll be immune to the COVID-19 but if I didn't get the vaccine this morning and I got and I got beat up the COVID-19 in the next couple of weeks so I had a decision to make either refuse the AstraZeneca and wait for another vaccine or take it so you I, went I, for think benefits, I think the benefits and like look we had numbers around the world there four four people in in in, in four million or something or one yeah, in a million. Yeah, it's 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 four. It's between four and ten in in a million. It's t- it's absolutely tiny compared I to think the number. It's four in ten. I think is it um, four in ten? But one in ten. Uh, it's one in ten would die. That's what that's that's four exactly. Ten, that's, that's, class, but one in ten would die. So in a, in a million in a, in in, in a every million, million doses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yes. I mean, I think I think I made the right decision. Hopefully I made the right <laughs> I think you did. I think you did. Uh, Tim says, I'm in my 50s. I would gladly sign a waiver form to take the AstraZeneca vaccine. And I know so would many others. This would use up the vaccines and ease the pressure on those in their 60s who seem to be particularly nervous about it. There's a lot of people saying, yeah, that if they got a chance in the morning that they would sign up for the vaccine. OK, listen, uh, Dave, stay safe. Uh, thank you for your call. And Billy, I hope you get a phone call soon about your vaccine and that you get to get your job as well. Uh, I, I, it's very hard to get a whole different as I have. Can I, just, can I just say something to you there as I have you on the line for a second? Yeah. I was talking to John Paul yesterday. Um, there's a there's a professor, Linda Doyle from Cork. Yeah. And she's been appointed the first female In ever, Trinity. In Trinity. I mentioned her and, on Monday. And she, uh, all right. And she's, she's from Cork. She went to school in St. Angeles College in Patrick's Hill. And I was just saying to John Paul, it would be nice to get her on the radio yeah, and, yeah. and hear a bit about her. Yeah, she's a great woman. Great woman. It's a fantastic achievement. Fantastic achievement. And All right. Did, did, did you say she'd be on next week? No, no. I just I said we mentioned her. We, we'll see if we can All track right. her down. Yeah, she'd be great for a chat. It's a, it's a, a good suggestion. Thanks, David. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye-bye. And thanks to uh, Billy. 1850-333-103. Somebody else has something in from New Zealand. Says Patricia, New Zealand is out in front once again regarding the managing of the pandemic. They're trying a new monitoring app that detects any coronavirus before the wearer develops any symptoms. It's like a watch tracker that monitors heart rate and temperature. It's reported that it detects with 90% accuracy the presence of COVID-19 three days before the appearance of any symptoms. Could our government not implement a similar study or take on board such a device? The app is reported to be available to consumers in other countries, but there's no trials anywhere else. That's very typical of uh, New Zealand. They always seem to be so far ahead on anything like that. Anything to try to keep life as normal as possible and to try to detect as many cases. And of course, they were one of the first to have the mandatory hotel quarantining. And that's how they've managed to keep COVID out of New Zealand and Australia. Okay, I am going to hopefully over here to Jane Pickett, our resident uh, vet. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. You're, you're, thank you for holding. You're, you're really good. Let me get straight into uh, questions for you. Anne says, I have a boxer dog, three years uh, old. We had another boxer who unfortunately had to be put to sleep in January. And since then, our three-year-old boxer dog is very, very down. He's gone off his food. We take him out for walks twice a day to try to cheer him up. But he's still off his food and just seems to be 
grieving really more than anything. Uh, says Anne, would Jane have any advice? I think really Anne is doing quite a lot of what it would normally suggest. It is really, really tough on all of the family when a pet passes, but particularly their companion pets. So the, the little box are left behind. Um, so in their mind, they've lost their buddy. And I suppose they don't really have a great comprehension as far as we know of exactly what's happened. Um, we do anecdotally experience a lot of grief signs in our pets. So um, let's say feeling very listless, going off food. Um, just not quite as active as we were before, very similar to in people. I think Anne is, is doing a lot of things that I would suggest, um, taking them out for more walks, getting them out in the sunlight, interest, something to kind of stimulate the senses is always really good. But time is usually the biggest healer, um, I would say. I wouldn't rush into getting, let's say, another companion pet unless that was something that would suit your lifestyle and it's something that's well thought out. Um, because normally the pet will eventually settle unless that's a, unless you do want to add another four-legged member to the family. One thing I would say is if they're very off their food, just not to, let's say, um, I suppose just to be safe, if they are off their food for a kind of a considerable period of time, it would be best to get them checked out by a vet just to have a full physical exam. It does sound like it is most likely grief that's causing the signs, but just to make sure that we're not missing some underlying problem that might be making the little pet off their food, just kind of better safe than sorry. But I think really continue doing what you're doing. Just try and keep as much routine in the day as you can. So try and have the day kind of move like clockwork so that the dog knows exactly what's going to happen when, because that will really help them to feel more comfortable um, now that their their friend has gone. Okay, and it is tough. It it really, really yeah, is really uh, tough. Okay, somebody has a miniature dash hound. Uh, bedtime is proving to be a big problem. Once everybody goes to bed at night, the miniature dash hound constantly barking downstairs in his crate. He gets plenty of walks during the day, but nighttime is proving to be a nightmare. He's six months old. Okay, so um, it could be a number of things. I think top of my list will be the fact that he probably might need to go to the bathroom. Um, so until they reach kind of six, eight months of age, most dogs don't have full control of their bladder. Now at six months of age, you'd be hoping he'd be able to kind of hold it if he needed to. But the best thing I would say is right before you go to bed, the last thing you do before you trot up those stairs, take your dog out for a good long paddle in the back garden so that they can do their business if they need to before they go into their crate. Because a lot of the time, if they're crate trained, particularly their crate is their little den, they don't want to mess it up. So if they need to pee or poo, they're going to get really distressed about that. So first things first, make sure they pee and poo just before you go to bed. Other things are just have ambient noise on downstairs in the background. So let's say classical music overnight or some little noise, because a lot of puppies, there's a lot of activity going on during the day and they're used to a lot of noise and kind of activity around them. It can be quite scary for them um, when all the family disappears at night and then the house becomes very quiet. So some ambient noise overnight is a really helpful thing. Um, but also don't be afraid to go and comfort your puppy. I suppose the old style of thinking was, you know, if you know, let them settle, let themselves soothe. But now we know that like they need us to trust um, to trust us as their kind of primary caregiver, essentially. So to do that, it is best if they are distressed to go and comfort them, settle them back in and then try again, try going back to bed. I think it really is just time and routine and just make sure that they don't need to pee because that's an easy solution. They just need to pee a little bit later in the evening. Okay, and just stick with it. They will eventually, because the crate training is great, isn't it? You'd be a big advocate of crate training, yeah. yeah. Okay, absolutely, um, absolutely. Here's one from Greta. She is about to get a new pup. It's a it's a Cavishan. It's been offered to her at seven weeks of age, and she's wondering: is that very young to be taken away from the mother? 
Mm, normally, I would advise they're at eight weeks of age before they, they go to their new home. Um, it really depends. Some extreme, extremely well socialized dogs might be might be kind of big and busty enough to, to go off to their, their new homes at that age. But as a general rule, I would advise that they were at least eight weeks before they left their parents. Um, and and at, at kind of eight weeks, they're kind of they're independent to a degree or they can cope with a degree of independence away from their litter mates and their normal environment and their mom because it is quite a stressful change going from from kind of a, a litter environment with all of their litter mates into a solo environment in a home with a new family so they need to I suppose have the mental capacity to cope with that and normally either I'd recommend they were about eight weeks plus before that happened. Okay and here's a listener who has rehomed uh, a dog it's a German Shepherd mix a rescue dog about three years old uh, they reckon she said this dog has put such a great step back into our lives and it is great for us um, in the house that we find ourselves with all the children having flown the nest it's given us a new lease on life looking for advice on the feeding of a large dog I was reading up online about a raw food diet i.e. giving just raw meat and a veg diet I did give her a raw carrot and she seemed to have enjoyed it I'm wondering what's Jane's view on uh, food for a dog of this size Okay first of all I'll I'll preface this with I could talk about this for hours but to be brief, uh, raw carrots are fine in small amounts. That wouldn't cause any any risk as long as they're at an appropriate size for your pet to eat. Um, so chopped up appropriately. Raw feed dieting. So let's say raw meat is something I would 100% be against. Um, and I will stake my flag in the sand and say I am against raw feed dieting because it has so many risks, both to the animal and to the animal handlers. So um, we do know that most dogs that are raw fed will have positive be positive for salmonella in their feces so imagine having that around the garden and having the family going out to enjoy the sunshine it's also a risk for them because there are reported cases of having really serious infections and even death as a result of having raw meat very much similar to us if we ingested a large amount of raw meat and had salmonella or compilobacter that can cause a very serious infection so we know that's a risk too Generally, I wouldn't say it would be a suitable diet for most pets. And for me, the risk to the family as well as the dog in feeding raw food diet um, is is overwhelmingly negative. So I would normally recommend the best thing to do is have a chat to your local vet or vet nurse. They'll be able to discuss with you what options there are for a complete diet. Um, And the other thing is with raw food diet, you don't get, let's say, a complete diet, all the vitamins, minerals, proteins, fats that we would normally need. It's very, very hit and miss. And generally, we find that they are deficient in a number of minerals when they are on a raw fed diet. So I would say speak to your local vet. They're the best person for advice and they'll be able to let you know what will be suitable for your dog, your lifestyle and the amount of activity that they do. And they'll get you sorted. So well done for doing the research. I think it's really important. Yeah. And uh, to have a, a to have a, a rescued animal, it's the love that you will yeah. you will get back from that uh, animal. Frank in Bantier had left over turkey meat, gave it to his dogs. And now his dogs have ended up with diarrhoea. He's wondering, was the meat just simply too rich for their diet when they weren't used to it? Quite probably. Um, so let's say poultry, if it's just the, the breast meat, the really white meat is, is sometimes something we say is fine to feed as long as it's, let's say, not too oily. But turkey meat in particular, or particularly, let's say, brown leg meat or any skin from chicken or turkey is generally something we wouldn't advise feeding. 
Um, it can be exceptionally rich on the tummy. It can cause digestive upset, so vomiting, diarrhea, and I suppose the high fat content in some of these meats sometimes means that they can cause a pancreatitis, so quite serious inflammation of the pancreas, which is one of the glands in the body that produces the enzymes that help us to digest food. So it's not something I would advise if you can, but if you are tempted to give a little bit of turkey or chicken to your pet, and that's that's fine, but as long as it's breast meat and it's not oily or fatty and there's no bones. And the fact that all the dogs have come down with the diarrhoea, Frank's having a busy day in, in yeah. Bantier for sure. Okay, listen, yeah. Jane, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Have a lovely week and uh, we'll chat to you again Thank next you. week. Thanks a million. That is Jane Pickett of the Island Wood uh, Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket and they are part of the Mill Street Veterinary uh, Group. And actually I can see where there's a number of, a uh, t- small number of texts coming in from people who did, they didn't get their vaccination uh, cancelled and they did go along and get vaccinated, including Mags, who says, hi Patricia, hope, every, hope all is well. Thank you Mags. I'm diabetic, very wary to get asked. AstraZeneca, but I went and got it. I feel great, thank God, this morning. Didn't even feel the needle. I'm delighted to say I got it and please God, all will be grand. The staff were amazing. Yeah, and there are, there is a, I mean, there's very much, judging by the cause and text coming in, there are people just very afraid, very nervous, but there are other people who are looking at the bigger picture and realising uh, that this particular vaccine is going to protect you against COVID and that's uh, really what, what, what we all need to do. Okay, I've got to wrap it up there, my thanks to uh, John Paul uh, for producing and also thanks to somebody back in Blackpool to say that they're back in action the electricity is back thank you for that so hopefully if the electricity is back uh, it's back the traffic lights are back up and running as well because we did we have a bit of a worry about that earlier on okay that's where we wrap it up for today Nick is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock for Friday's edition of the programme this week seems to have flown by look forward to your company tomorrow at 10 until the Patricia Messenger, very good afternoon and stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.